name is Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Thursday morning for me, late Wednesday night for you guys. I'm here with Snowy Mountain Bear Dogs, uh, Josh and Faith, and Dolan and Jesse. Welcome, guys. Josh, you and I were we connected first on via s- social media. Remind me, how did that happen? Yeah, so a guy from our last litter up in BC, um, we were talking. He was looking to bring another Carillion over from Finland. That's and right. I, I lined him up with a breeder that has kind of mentored me. Um, he's an old bear, bear-focused kennel. And Dan up in BC was getting a dog from him. And we're trying to figure out if we could find someone to transport the puppy over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew you were over in the Scandinavia region. And so I didn't know if you would know anyone. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, but I guess let's let's clarify real quick. Um, we're we're talking of Corellian bear dogs here. Yep, Corellian bear dogs. Yep. What made you guys? How, how did you get into those? They're they're super common over here, but they're not. Um, I don't know a lot of people over there that that have them. Yeah, there aren't a lot of people. Uh, so I got our first one um, eight eight or nine years ago, 2015, I was coming back from a work trip overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, just hadn't had a dog for six or seven years. I had a Malmute growing up and mm-hmm. I, so I kind of wanted this Spitz type breed. Um, sure. just wanted a smaller one. Didn't want a Husky cause they were super common. Um, I'd also started mountain lion hunting with buddies in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted a Spitz slash hunting type dog. And just found it. I mean, looked at elk hounds, um, looked at yep. some of the other Scandinavian breeds, and then settled on Carillions and found a breeder in New Jersey who she was just breeding them to breed. And I didn't know too much about them at that point, and learned a lot more about them since. But uh, we got pretty lucky with Suka, our first our first dog. So, okay. And that was the start of that was the start of what would eventually become. Is that what is that your kennel or your kennel collectively? As in, is this Josh and Faith Faith's kennel, Snowy Mountain Bear Dogs, or is this all four of you as a as a collective? So I'd say Faith and I started it, but we I think we've kind of come to realize to make it what we want to be and to make the dogs what we want them to be. There's no way that we could do it by ourselves, especially without Dallin and Jesse. And so hmm. there's, there's a few others that are like kind of collaborating with us and we're really going to be working, working together to kind of really hone in on our own lines here that are super, uh, hunting focused, but our biggest collaborators are, I'd say like our biggest partners are Dallin and Jesse. Hmm. Um, and so we wouldn't be who we were without them. It's kind of what it boils down to. Cool. And Dolan and Jesse, how did you guys get, how did you guys get into this? How did, how did that happen? Um, I was, I'm always looking at different breeds and different dogs and 
just uh you know trying trying different things and uh, i had a leica pup that didn't work out um mm-hmm. and i was kind of looking into the Karelians and seen a couple places i could get one from and then came across um, snowy mountain bear dogs and got a hold of them and reached out and just really connected with them and we went from there and that's how we kind of got hooked up with snowy mountain bear dogs okay cool cool and how what are your packs looking like at this point do you have uh, i mean is it do you have five six a piece or a sort of core group of breeding animals how's what does that look like at the moment yeah so faith and i mostly just keep females here um right now total we have it'll be like five or six dogs in the breeding program um here like we just have the one Karelian now we've two that we've kept from past litters have uh died in accidents and so we're kind of over two for that uh but Dallin, we, we co-known a uh, Finnish import with Dallin and Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't have any hounds. We just have Karelians. And then Dallin, I mean, he's a houndsman, so he's got a lot more. Yeah, I've got uh, Kesta that I have at the house. And then um, Sayla, I'll, I have her through the summer working her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we'll have one out of this litter uh, that we just had. Um, yeah. So, interesting. yeah, so I run, I run them with my hounds. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to use it first for, uh, Kesta I'm talking. Okay. And, you know, we, we started him out. He was just the right age to start out on, on cats. Um, sure. you know, our season was going on. So he rolled out on that awesome with my dogs he'd run with them good and at six months old he was um you know chasing lions and and helping mm-hmm. tree lions cool um seeing bobcats and um and then i you know hit summer and he he rolled with my hounds on bear and uh he's three now and he's doing better and better each year wow that's really cool what do you have what do you have for hounds um, mainly walkers, but I got, uh, some blue tick and blue tick cross walkers. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll run just about whatever works, you know, if it's, if it works, I'm going to run it. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. I just did, uh, I, I wrote an article for, um, full cry just like just now it's, it'll be coming out in the next issue about that specific thing about adding a non hound to hound packs yeah. um, and kind of what that can bring to the table. Cause I know several people who do um, that kind of thing. There's some people like um, uh, Alex Karushev, um who run like just exclusively like us don't run hounds at all. Yeah. Um, but I also know people who do both who have hounds and run you know, a feist together with their hounds or run a terrier together with their hounds or, um, over here, it's not uncommon at all to have, yeah, the West Siberian Lycas or the Corellian bear dogs or the, um, Swedish elk hounds, um, 
uh, using them on on big game. Um, yeah. Uh, outside of just sort of their what traditionally they've been used for here is moose, but um, it's not uncommon now to see them being used for um, the bear and the lynx and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that was kind of our, our focus or our appeal. And that's why, I mean, we got so excited about Dallin. I mean, he'll be humble about it, but he, he's, uh, he hunts for, for work. And so he gets a lot of reps on bears and lions and, um, the whole nine. And so when he was like, yeah, I want to Carillion to hopefully, I mean, you're looking for banging power yeah, yeah. and stopping power. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, talking with the Finns, they get to hunt two dogs on a bear. Um, yep. and it's, right. it's Eurasian brown bear. So it's like a smaller grizzly. Mm-hmm. And so our thought was like, man, if, if two dogs can are enough to stop a grizzly and if we throw one or two of these dogs in with hounds and we think that that could really, um, change the dynamic or, or just add a lot of dynamic to a pack. I think, I think it, that's absolutely what it does. Um, that's the conclusion I've drawn at least in, in, um, having hunted with, you know, I've hunted with Corellians here I've hunted with, you know, all of these different things. I have hounds myself. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, you know, it's people want to compare them as in like, which one is better. And I mean, if there's arguments, I guess, but it's like comparing apples and oranges. It's like they, they bring something completely. My experience has been, and I want to hear what your thoughts are, uh, uh, what your experience is as well. My experience has been that they don't, they don't, they don't out hound a hound. But at the same time, they bring something completely different to the table that um, it just gives you another gear, like, or, you know, something else that kind of, um, I don't know, fleshes out uh, a skill set if you look at the back as a whole in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let Don speak on it. I mean, he's got more reps with Kesta. Kesta is a male from our first letter out of that that first female that Faith and I got. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, it's, it's funny cause I've, I've ran hounds for a long time, but you know, you throw hounds in, you kind of know what hounds are doing. So, um, of course you've learned what they do and they've, they've taught me, you know, how to be a houndsman. But, uh, I, I expect when I throw another hound in to know what, what's going to happen. And then I got the Corellian and I expected him to work like a hound and it's not, that's not how he works. Um, and he's just kind of taught me what he does. Um, and I'm kind of learning from him. Uh, but yeah, there, a hound, a hound, you know, has a great nose. These dogs are sight dogs and they're going to, they're going to do something completely different. Mm. from the hounds so what i'm seeing is these dogs are 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 kind of going around the hounds and getting in front of the bear yep um and and the hounds are just chasing um i've seen where kessa's turned bears around in you know in front of the hounds so it's a very interesting thing that they're doing um 
that the hounds aren't doing. <laughs> They're just definitely bringing something completely different to the table. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that has been my experience with them as well, that they will, they've got this sort of button hook move or question mark yeah. where they'll just kind of run up and around and, and get in front of things. And it seems like the sort of the, the pressure from both the front and the back is enough to, um, it seems like it fairly effectively gets them at least stopped. Um, and it, you know, the, the Eurasian brown bears don't really climb, but, um, that's what I've heard from people who have used similar types of dogs, uh, on black bear. Um, is that they, they, they do that. They'll try and kind of get in front of you or get in front of the game, place the game between themselves and you. Um, it seems they sort of have an innate sense of where you are in the, in the terrain in relationship to, to them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the things I talk to, they, they basically say there's two types of hunting that their guys do on bears. They have the drive hunts, which are the hounds that drive the bear across the roads and they cut them off at the roads and shoot them there. Sure. And then they have what they call the baying hunts. And those are the the spitz dogs that they send in and they bait a bear up and then the hunters walk into them and you know it's kind of whatever flavor you're into um but the fins at least when they talk about bear hunting they have a designation between the two styles of hunting and the two styles are revolve around the two different types of dogs right right huh interesting interesting um josh you made a comment that dolan works um hunts for hunts for work what what do you are you a guide Dolan, or are you a no um i work uh for usda wildlife <laughs> services so I'm, I'm taking care of problem bears you know that are getting into livestock or sure um you know agriculture um, or human health and safety so mm-hmm. um you know colorado doesn't have a season for bear but i'm just taking care of problem bears they have a season but not for for dogs so okay um is that part of the reason why they're does that contribute to why there are problem bears oh yeah for sure yeah i mean they they have a so they have a they have a fall season but there's no spring season there's no baiting there's no use of dogs really um so it's all spot and stock just in the fall um Mm. so the the bear population is just blown up there um, and and they cause a lot of trouble. So, <laughs> Right. Definitely a lot of trouble bears. Right. Okay. Um, when you're, when you're running bears like that, that are kind of already become problems, do you find that are, are those bears maybe a little bit harder on the dogs or at least a little bit less? Uh, um, it depends on, on the bear, um, you know, the, the bears that are getting into livestock, uh, they seem to be a little harder, uh, on the dogs because these guys are running, um, you know, great Pyrenees uh, or off Bosch or some type of guardian livestock dog. Right. Uh, right. And so these bear get, they get used to the dogs chasing them or, or running them off but they they realize I, well this is just what i think that mm-hmm. the bears kind of realize if they keep walking 
those big white dogs are going to leave them alone. Um, hmm. and they'll just, you know, keep walking until they, <laughs> they don't have a dog on them. Right. So, uh, when I run them, they'll run and run and run and run. And, uh, of course my dogs aren't going to stop. Um, so it can right. be an all day event on some of those bears. Right. Right. Um, in terms of kind of, uh, injuries and things like that is, do you notice a difference between the, um, Corellians and the, and, and the hounds, Jesse, I'm sure you can comment on this being a vet, uh, vet tech, the medical aspect of it. I don't. So it was probably eight years ago. We had an incident with a hound that we'd never seen before. And he got slapped by the bear and caused a, his abdomen to herniate. Mm-hmm. And with Kesta, he had that happen this last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if I, I worry a lot because that's just the type of person I am. And knowing that these dogs are made, like he goes to the head of the bear and stops. It just scares me to death. But he um, he got slapped by a bear pretty hard this year, and the same thing happened. So I don't really know if it's much different, mm-hmm. but I do think it. if it was in a tight situation, I think it could get bad, but I haven't noticed anything worse with Kesta versus our hounds. I would say that maybe the amount of hair that they have on them, they don't. Do you? Uh, you know, get as many cuts and, and stuff from the bear. Uh, mm-hmm. That just, I think it adds a little bit of protection yeah. to them. Um, yeah, they got thick, burly necks. Yeah, where yeah. the hounds have nothing. Right. <laughs> nothing. I also right. feel like Nesta's way quicker. Yeah. He is just, he can, I don't know what the proper term is, but he can juke a bear pretty easy, I would think. Yeah, right. very, very agile. Ad, agile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think statistically speaking, Corellians are known to be a little bit more intelligent than hounds, mm. and um, kind of know a little bit how to dance around the bear better than maybe a hound might just get itself killed with the amount of drive. Um, sure, following its nose, but right. not every dog's the same. Right. Well, I mean, heck, that's that's the truth. Um, <clears throat> you know, my I've had a little bit of different. Uh, I've had some different breeds, and the um, you know the the plots are. I've had plots, and they're. I mean, you compare them to pretty much everything else, and the, they're going to get themselves hurt more often than anything else. Um, but there's. Uh, I don't know whether it's the length of the spine versus the legs or what it is, but the, but the spits they're, they're light on their feet. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have this twirl move that they do. Um, yep. And they're good climbers from what I've known. Or I mean, just good at navigating rougher train and I mean, down. Mm-hmm. Like I have just had ours in Tennessee and North Carolina and North Carolina. And I've taken her out West a couple of times. Um, but like the train's a lot rougher out west in regards to just the the slope and everything and uh, sure 
yeah, I, we think there's just an element of intelligence in them um, that kind of gives them. Um, it's another thing. It's just kind of another tool uh, to throw into your your tool bag. Um, sure. Just one more thing to put a little more pressure on whatever it is that you're chasing. Sure. Cool. Huh. That's interesting. That's interesting. So you got this. You got this first dog. You you said you'd started hunting with some lion in college. Yeah, I never owned hunting dogs. Uh, I just went with buddies who had them, and so I'll give a shout out to Mike Diger who passed a couple of years ago. He was a butcher in my hometown and ran a meat shop. And his son Derek, um, mm-hmm. Derek and I were in high school together, and my brother in law. We'd go find the tracks and call the Digers and then bring their blue ticks and we'd go chase lions. And so that that's got what got me into it. And then uh, yeah, I got Suka eight years ago, I think. So Okay. And you you used her, um, you started hunting with her fairly early on as well or no, uh, I'm pretty busy with my job and I got a lot. And I think that's kind of the irony of one of the reasons why Dallin and Jesse are so important to our breeding program is uh Suka's actually never seen a bear, um, <laughs> which is like super ironic and like also a big deal that Dallin and Jesse took a chance on us and said like, yeah, we'll get a pup from here for first letter and see how they see how they do. And right. a buddy that I've hunted with in North Carolina, he's like, man, I've never met somebody who wants to breed bear dogs so bad who is never really hunted bears very much. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so it, it's an ironic joke. Uh, I'm just gone a lot. And, so, and then when I'm home, you know, I try to spend as much as I can with faith in our kids. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't know if Suka will ever see a bear, uh, but so far all the pups that she has produced, um, have, have seen a lot of bears and, and done very well on them. Um, oh, interesting. And so in regards to bear hunting, like I've only killed one and that was with a buddy's dogs and I've only been a few times. Um, I just, we, Faith and got, Faith and I just got super blessed to meet Dallin and Jesse and Dallin, who will see more bears in one summer than I will probably see in my entire lifetime. Uh, right. And just the reps and experience that he, he gets. So yeah, Faith and I, we focus a little more on the breeding and then we send the dogs out to Dallin and Jesse to get the work, um, on the animals, um, okay. figure out their strengths. And, yeah. To prove them, figure out their strengths and weaknesses. Um, I mean, and yeah, we couldn't have asked for anyone better to, to do that with. Um, hmm. so. that's really cool. Yeah. So is the, is the, is your breeding program based on, are you breeding for, um, for hunting specifically or yeah. are you, okay. So it's not like any kind of, um, I know, I know a couple of people, uh, in like May, Maine that will use them to actively run bears off of their property, not necessarily livestock guardian dogs exactly, but when bears show up, they'll, they'll run out there with their Corellians. Yeah, we do breed specifically for hunting dogs. That's our goal. We also mm-hmm. realize that not every dog from a litter is going to be the highest drive dog. So we have a system where we actually pick the puppy for the buyer instead of the buyer coming out and, you know, just handpicking a puppy off of their looks. 
Hmm. And um, we do that after running the puppy through a host of personality tests and um, hunting tests and things like that. And then we assign the puppy to the buyer based off of their needs and desires for a dog. Okay. And we have different categories of dog that we'll assign. So we have our highest drive dogs that we call a head dog. We have our second highest drive that we call a tail dog. And then we have a lower, you know, more friendly people oriented dog that we would call a companion. And we assign one to two slots um, for a companion puppy per litter, just knowing realistically there's going to be that one that doesn't have the drive that we were um, breeding for. Sure. How old are they when you kind of determine or set these grades on them? Eight weeks. Okay, Eight so weeks. you're you've got some you've got the system in place to um, be able to make that call pretty early, right? And so far, I mean, we're three you know litters, three generations in, but so far we have seen pretty much what we see at eight weeks turns out to be what they are, you know, um, obviously training has tons to do with it, but that just initial driving instinct that we see in a puppy usually pans out to be what happens in the dog as an adult. Okay. Interesting. What, uh, how do you test that? Yeah. So, and I'll say like the testing is not original. Um, we, we kind of borrowed that from Carrie Hunt out of Wind River Bear Institute um, in Montana. She she kind of does the same testing and placement with her, her puppies, and it works really well. And we're like, hey, that's a good idea. So um, we kind of researched some different tests. You know how the Scandinavians have the, the stuffed animals that they'll put on the motorized mm. tracks or whatever. Oh, sure. So, yeah, we made a little a smaller version of those with a bear on them. And so when the puppies are eight weeks... We'll spray that thing with bear scent through a Bluetooth speaker in there that makes bear noises. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we lead the puppy up to it. It's stationary. Let him sniff it. Um, and then we turn, we play some bear noises through it to kind of startle the puppy, see how they respond to that. And then we move the bear around. Um, sure. And so like Kesta, he tested as uh, our, our highest dog out of that first litter, which is why we send to Down and Jesse. And I mean, the, the same bang stance that an adult Carillion will take, man, he popped right into that at seven weeks old and cool. was just letting his little lungs scream. Um, and so that was pretty cool to see. And then uh, we have a personality test based off of the full hard puppy personality test that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's with an unknown environment with unknown people um, interacting with the puppy in ways that they've never been interacted with. And then the last one is a scent test and it's, um, three jars that we drill holes in one of the jars, um, and put chicken in that jar. And then, uh, it's kind of like that game where you hide the ball under the cup and the mm-hmm. puppy has to figure out which jar has a chicken, but each round there's less and less holes in the lid until all three jars don't have any holes. And they're just one that has chicken. Um, and it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, some of the pups will lose interest after, they're down to three holes and then you'll have pups who will make it to that last round and they'll like, they'll hit on the chicken jar every time. Um, and so that's just kind of testing which pup, uh, is that like really working to use their nose and then which ones, uh, just kind of lose interest and are are more sight focused. Um, Right. 
how much is scent um how important is that to to uh you guys um are they is that sort of a key aspect to what they need to be able to function as a hunting dog for for you guys because like i've talked to other people with spits who say that you know their hounds will find the, the game and then the spits will or, you know, will um engage and help out once it's kind of on its feet but that it needs to be real fresh for for them to get on it themselves it's, yeah i mean in like we're never going to say Spitz is going to have a better nose than a hound. It's just, it's not what they're built for. Um, and like, I don't know how, how old of a track can kiss it usually. Or, um, yeah, I mean, it, I would say that he's not going to be super interested in, you know, a, a, an older track, but, um, I definitely like him to, to let me know that there's one there, even if, um, I don't have hounds there, maybe sometimes I'll get calls and it'll be, you know, for coyotes or whatever. Um, and I go there and it's not coyotes. And if I have Kessa with me, he'll, he'll kind of track at least the general direction that bear went. And it might've been from, you know, the night before or whatever, but, um, uh, that at least tells me, I know personally what it, what killed the lamb or calf or whatever, but at least he gives me an idea of where that bear went. Um, so I personally think it's fairly important yeah. for them to have some kind of a nose. Sure. Sure. Even though that they're a sight dog and yeah, they, my hounds are tracking a bear, you know, older, an older track, um, even from a couple of days old, they'll, they'll take a track for a while. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kessel will jump in there and, and help him, but I, I, I want him to still track. Um, I don't think having the nose, I would say not having a nose is going to be worse than having a nose. Yeah. And it also depends on what you want, you know, in a hunting dog, if you want, if you want a dog that's going to follow a two day old track, you know, some of our buyers aren't doing, you know, what you're doing for your job and they, the fresher the track for them, you know, the better. So. Right. Yeah. And so like last litter, we placed, uh, the really strong male that we had, um, he did really well on the scent test. And so we sent him up to Maine and there's an outfitter in Maine who just wants to do bobcats with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he likes the idea that he's not going to open on the track. And so it, it'll hopefully be a quicker race because uh, Bobcat's not going to hear the hound hunting um, coming. Right. And, but he's like, I still need him to be able to track. And, um, and I mean, cats don't give off as much scent as a bear does today. I mean, I don't know. About well, they're just a little bit trickier. Like Bobcats will jump, you know, from rock to rock or limbs. And, uh, they won't, they definitely don't leave as much scent as a bear, I would say. Yeah. So, so yeah, that kind of came down to like, okay, we're going to send Slane up to, to Maine because he's got good drive. So this outfitter won't stop him power, but he's hunting cats. And so he needs a little better nose on his puppy. Um, and so, yeah, kind of, <clears throat> we have people do an application. That's, uh, 
when they want a puppy. And sure. I know some people kind of scoff at that, but like, man, it really helps us understand who you are and what you're looking for. And then we'll have ongoing conversations from there. Um, and, and we track, we really try to track a lot of the puppy's development so we can really understand what that puppy is um, and what he thinks or what we think he or she is going to become. Um, sure. And that way we can get the best matches possible. Um, and people, and we also kind of our hunting guarantee of after two years, if the dog isn't hunting the way you want to, you can give it back to us and we'll give you your money back. Like, wow, we're not going to offer that guarantee without being very certain that that dog is going to do what we tell them it's going to do. And being pretty certain that that owner is capable, Yeah, you know, of bringing it up the way it needs to be. Yeah. And giving sure. her the experience it needs. Well, I think that's kind of what drew us to you guys because we had, you know, we looked into some other breeders. Um, but the fact that you guys wanted to know who we were and some of that training kind of got taken out of my lap because you guys were already kind of going through some training with them and seeing what dogs did what. And yeah. uh, so then I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to get a dog that at least has the smarts to do what I want it to do. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. That's really interesting. How, what are some of the misconceptions with the breed as you're kind of, as people apply for, uh, to be put on the list for, for pups and, and things like that? What, what are some of the questions you get? What are some of the sort of weird there's got to be some weird stuff coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Oh, for some weird stuff. I can get a little critical. A lot, of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, there's a misconception that they're human aggressive. That's, I've never seen that. In, you know, just the breed in general. I've never you know? seen a more compassionate dog than Kesta or Sayla. Yeah. yeah they're hmm. very sweet. I mean, we have, Josh and I have uh, two toddlers, two and one year old, and they're around Sayla and, around her brand new puppies, you know, and she is just as sweet as ever. She's never, she's never given the slightest um, indication, indication yeah. that she's going to be aggressive towards humans. Some people, that's another one is that people think that they're not good with kids, which is just a complete myth. I mean, I don't know where else, to, what else to call it is. Right. You know, so much has to do with socialization of a dog and that's something that we do really early on with the puppies is mm. once they're sort of old enough to do anything they're around a bunch of kids a lot and being held and handled and safely <laughs> right <laughs> but but yeah they're very exposed to those early on so yeah those are just a couple that come to mind and then people looking for them i mean you can talk on that too of a lot of people looking for the dogs are looking for a pet right. because the krilling is kind of, they're really, I would say beautiful dogs. Oh, yeah. they're, they're striking animals. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And people see that and they hear the name like, wow, krilling bear dog. Like they chase cool. bears. That's <laughs> unique. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bad, badass. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and a lot of people think they're like a livestock guardian dog. And it's like, no, not like, not at all. That's not, not at their roof. Yeah. That's not what the fins use them for. And so, a lot of people are looking for kind of like this exotic pet. So we'll get an application and I'll be like, yeah, I live in 
He'll get to you. <laughs> yeah. No, I live in the city of 2 million people, like in Arizona, and I'm a registered nurse, and the puppy's going to be left alone for eight hours. And, uh, right. 24 hour shifts, right? Right. And it's like, <laughs> man, this dog is going to tear your apartment apart. Um, right. Yeah. And, and so the application is a big filter for us um, because, yeah, we, we really are focusing on, on the hunting lines. And all the dogs go through Dallin and Jesse. All the dogs that we're going to use for our breeding program are going to go through Dallin and Jesse. Um, mm-hmm. To be proven. Yeah, to be proven. And and Dallin is going to be that basically that last litmus test after we do all the health testing and everything else of like, yeah, this dog's worth breeding to or, or no, it's not. Um, and mm. here in the States, we have a, a really small pool to work with in regards to Krillians. Like there's not, um, we have to reach back to Finland when they want to bring new blood in. Um, mm. so, so if we are going to breed dogs, man, we really got to make sure that they're working. Um, because we, the big thing, we just don't want to sell a dog to someone and tell them it's going to do something that it's not going to do. Right. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Do you, have you imported, uh, multiple dogs from, from Finland, you've been you've been back there a couple times, or do you tend to import? Um, we have imported two dogs from Finland, and yep. we met. Josh was coming home from a deployment and met the breeders in Germany with the dogs. So they were coming from Finland, and Josh was headed back to the states as well. They met up in Germany. Josh got the dogs and brought them back. And then wow. okay, and then Dan uh, he he bought a pup from Last Litter and. He and his partner are going to more or less start a sister kennel up in Canada um, mm-hmm. that we can use each other's dogs. And and he just imported the one from Finland as well. Okay. So, gotcha. Give me a little bit of history about the, uh, about the dog. I know the Karelian region is sort of Finland, border Finland, Russia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So winter war. Uh, between Russia, I mean, World War II, Russian, Finland fought that war. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the dogs were in that Krillia region. Um, and then you got from that base stock of dogs, you get the Krillian bear dog and the Russo European Leica. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, I mean, genetically, they're different breeds. Um, and I would say each breed kind of reflects the culture of the country. Um, like the Finns are 6 million of them. Uh, I would say they're, they're kind of like a Northern state. They're probably like Maine, you know, their culture is similar to Maine and, um, Russia is a bigger country, you know, that basically touches two oceans and stretches across two continents. And it's a different culture in Russia and their dogs just reflect that. And so their strengths and weaknesses inherent in that. Um, but yeah, the, there used to be more bears in, uh, Finland and what there were now. And so primarily they're used on moose mm-hmm. over there. Um, but when we look to bring a dog over, we just talk to the kennels that, uh, focus on bears. Um, and there's a few of them that, that like, they try to stick with the roots of, um, if their bear, if their dogs don't work a brown bear, then they don't want anything to do with the dog. Right. Uh, Cause all bear dogs will hunt moose, but not all moose dogs will hunt a bear. 
Right. That's that's something I've been a little bit. In, uh, it's a thought that's crossed my mind. I've talked to you know a bunch of the houndsmen over here. They'll import hounds um, to out of good bear kennels to run these, um, you know, Eurasian brown bear. Yeah. And a lot of really really good bear dogs from the states and Canada have come over here and gotten their first taste of a brown bear and been like, holy moly, what the heck yeah. is this thing? And, you know, there's some of them just have, you know, very, very good dogs from somewhere else that have, you know, have proven themselves to be excellent, excellent bear dogs, just can't, have not been able to handle the brown bears. I would, I'm interested to see if that would be the case going the other direction, whether yeah they're different enough or whether the, uh, the brown bear is just enough of a beast that walking, you know, then dealing with a black bear is just not going to be as big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, over here, the grizzlies, the apex predator, um, BC had the grizzly hunt. They lost it. Uh, and, but Dan, the guy up in BC, you know, he, he's, He's ran a couple grizzlies with his hounds, and he yeah he said it's a whole different animal, a whole different race. Mm. Um, and and I mean I don't know. There's some mean black bears out there that are messing dogs up. Um, oh sure, <laughs> but but yeah. So I think that's kind of our selling point is like, man, if if a Carillion will work a brown bear by themselves for hours on end then we think that translates very well to a black bear. Sure. Do you end up, um, Don, do you end up uh, needing to run any brown bear, grizzly bear in the depredation stuff that you do? Uh, no, not in Colorado. There's just none there. Not enough of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just black bear. Okay. So. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it's, <clears throat> Uh, I think, you know, today or yeah, I guess what was yesterday, um, you know, we're getting into the part of the year here in Scandinavia, at least Northern Scandinavia, where, um, the snow is getting really deep. It's getting very cold. You know, I'm, I'm hitting the tail end of my, realistically my, my season here now based just off purely off of conditions, you know, I, I'm not going to feel real good about dropping a hound and, you know, negative 15. It just yeah. gets a l- little bit too cold for him. Um, but you know, then on the flip side, like I'll see, I'll see a couple of these, you know, Corellian guys over here. It's like negative 15, negative 20. And those dogs are just doing their thing. Like they're super, super robust. Um, animals, um, are there, you know, you guys get proper winters up there. How do they function? Uh, you know, what's your experience, uh, sort of comparing them to the hounds in Um, those kind of gnarly conditions? Yeah, because I run hounds, um, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. If it's, if it's clear in the negatives, um, I might be out looking for a track, but I'm going to wait till it hits, you know, above zero. So I can throw my dogs out on it and not have them 
beat up their feet. Um, but uh, I think I mean, Kesta loves. This yeah, <laughs> Kesta. He's he'd rather be outside in the negative weather than inside or you know in a kennel or anything like that. He right. he uh, literally just goes out, sticks his nose in, and then rolls his whole body across the snow. Yeah, I, I would say that they're definitely hardier than the hounds. My hounds will be tucked in their dog houses, curled up and Kessel will be out there laying in the snow. <laughs> he right. likes it. So, um, I don't think it bothers them as much and it must not be just their, their feet, you know, or just their fur. It's gotta be their feet yeah. being a little tougher. Cause, um, and they got tufts of fur between their pads too. Yeah. Helps. Hmm. Um, but how does that translate like summer on the flip side? Um, you know, he might get a little, a little hotter in the summer um, than the hounds, but he knows how to cool off. And he goes and jumps in, you know, the creek, and yeah, um, he stays cooler once he's wet. <laughs> uh, seems like, anyways, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to burn out. I thought maybe he'd burn out in the summer a little bit more, being having that much fur on him, but he doesn't. Doesn't burn sure. out any quicker than my best hound. So, right. Hmm. <clears throat> That's interesting. Yeah, I've I've actually my experience has been that the uh, I don't know whether it's just the hounds' predisposition to just want to go balls to the wall or or what it is, but um, you know I've had huskies and I, I found that the hounds get hotter faster than than a lot of the Huskies. Yeah. You know, I think there's a bit of self-preservation that's still in kind of the more primitive breeds. That That's kind of my thought is, is there's a little more of that self-preservation that they still kind of have built into them where the more domesticated the breed gets, like they're, they're more in tune of like with what we want them to, like our military working dogs, man. Like you tell those dogs to go do something, they're going to do it, whether they're going to die or not. You know? Right. Where at least that's what I've noticed with the Krillians, like they kind of know their limits. Um, and like, I don't think they're going to heat stroke out or anything. Like if they get hot, they're going to find water, get drink. Right. And, um, and so I kind of wonder with the Huskies too, like they're more primitive breed. Like it, I mean, is that something that you feel like they had was, a little more of the self-preservation kind of built in of knowing their limits or? Um, I think yes, to a very large degree, at least the traditional Huskies. You know, the the dogs that went back to, you know, what was sort of within living memory to the Sives and the Malamutes and the that yeah. kind of thing. They, they have a, they've got a streak of self-preservation where they're not going to go until... It, it it it's hard to run a team of Malamutes or a team of Siberian Huskies to death. Right. You know, the Alaskan Huskies, it's gotten a little bit different because they've spread quite a bit of hound into them just to get specifically. And they've bred specifically for that. Give it all, never give up, you know, run till they drop kind of thing. That intensity that the hound brings to the table. Um, you know, I, 
there's quite a few Husky teams or quite a few Huskies that I've had in, in my time where if I had just put a harness on them and started to go, they would have gone until they literally died. Yeah. Um, but you know, the farther I got away from that houndy stuff, the less and less that that was the case. I liked, I liked having a dog that was capable of, of thinking for itself. Um, and you know, that it, it ha- that had its own challenges, right? But ultimately, if I was able to show them that I was worth trusting, I could get more out of that dog than, yeah. um, you know, than than a dog that is just going to run until it blows up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, man, I think that's big too for the Krillians is like you call it cheesy, but like building a relationship with the dog, and I mean watch down and Keston, Jesse and Keston, like their buds. And, but like, I mean, we brought Kesta back for this litter. <clears throat> and so it's, it's fun to have him here after three years of not seeing him and uh, sure. seeing how it turned out. And it worked is out. Is he well. the father of the litter you've got right now? He is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you can just tell that trust is there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, I talked to the Finns and that's a unique thing with the Karelians is like the Karelian goes out there knowing and trusting that once it finds whatever it's looking for, that the hunter's going to come shoot it where, man, I feel like a hound will just chase an animal just to chase an animal. Yeah. Some definitely will. Um, yeah. I like, I like my dogs and I'm pretty picky on the dogs that I have, I like my dogs to work for me um, and not just work for themselves. So, um, but I have had a lot of dogs that will just work for themselves. And, and, um, that, that, that could be, that can be a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, these dogs are from what I've seen, um, they want to please. So, um, they, uh, like Kesta, he, as he's been growing up <laughs> and I've watched him, um, you know, tree lions and bobcat and bear. And, um, he, there was a, you know, there's times where he like looks at me and he's like barking. He's like, am I doing all right? Am I doing good? And he wants to please me. You know, he wants to see that I'm, I'm happy with what he's doing. And, um, that's pretty cool to, to see that out of a dog. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. That's something that I actually actively look for in my in yeah. my hounds. Is is I spend a lot of time building that relationship where you know some people don't want that. You know, some people want that dog that they drop and then it's just going to hunt like crazy and not care where you are. You know, if you're two counties over, they don't care. Um that's just not my type of dog you know i i've had plots you know and they were like that they were just like okay well like they seemed surprised when i popped up they were like oh geez (laughs) i haven't seen you for a couple days what have you been up to you know it's like and i i I don't like that um i would as you say it's a 
good distinction to make. I'd much rather have a dog hunt for me than, you know, <laughs> do its own thing for three days. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so oh, that's yeah, interesting. I, my, my experience with the, with the Corellians has been, has been a positive one. Um, I've hunted, I've hunted moose multiple times over them. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, in, they're interesting dogs. They really are. They're, they're, uh, I, I like them a lot. They're, they, the, the, it's hard not to, when you're talking moose dogs, it's hard not to compare them to the Norwegian elk hound, which is the one that's used the most over here. Yeah. Um, the Norwegian elk hound, they're kind of, they can be kind of short and stocky and stubby and, and, um, they're, they're interesting dogs, but not all of them are as brave and necessarily have the stick that I like to see. Yeah. Um, but I've liked what I've seen with the Corellians. I've got a friend who's got um, my friend Robin runs his Corellian on brown bear and wild boar. Yeah. And that dog Coda does, does really, really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're, they're special. And, I mean, they're pretty versatile. Uh, down started using Kesson Salon coyotes this past year, and that was fun to see them. Yeah, yeah, I started using them for uh, for decoying um, coyotes. Oh, really? Cool. So, um, Kester really likes it. He he uh, he likes seeing seeing those coyotes come in, and he'll go run out after them and, and mess around with them and bring them right back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 what I hoped for, uh, in Kesta. Cause I kind of like using a dog like that, that has the brain, um, for multiple things. You know, I can use them for, for lion or bobcat or bear or even coyotes. And he sure. knows what we're doing. I can take him out and sit down and make a stand for coyotes and he's not going trying to smell for a bear or something. He, he knows, Hey, this call's going, I'm looking for a coyote. Um, and, right. and he knows what he's doing. And that's what I was really hoping for. Cause I've had other dogs that I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what he'll do. And they might go out and look, go run through the brush and looking for something, you know, they don't know what they're doing, but, uh, he's got enough brains to go up. I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's, of course he's, he had to learn that, but, um, but he he can distinctively know what he's doing now he's still learning um i'll have coyotes we'll be going in looking for a bear and coyotes will will bark and he's interested he's you know coyotes are yapping he's looking but he has not gone away from the hounds to go to the coyote um he he sticks with the hounds and goes i feel like he he knows we're going bear hunting Right. Right, right. Oh, that's really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, Finn's put out a good product, you know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed with their dogs. That's cool. What's uh what are your goals going forward here? Yeah, you know, uh we just want some good hunting lines of Carillions and talking with the the older breeder in Finland, you know, the Finns I, I don't understand it, so I don't want to speak too much on it, but like it sounds like they could potentially lose a lot of their bear hunt next year in big areas of the country. And so it's just there's a lot of anti-hunting pressure and just a lot of pressure in general to take away the bear hunt. And, you know, they're not killing moose dogs, they're killing bear dog. Um and so I think we just kind of have a unique opportunity in the States with our conservation model to to do a lot of predator work with these dogs. I mean, the one thing that they get used the most for is moose in Finland, and there's not a single province or state in North America that you can hunt moose with a dog, I don't think. Um, and it's all I predator. Think, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's all predator hunting here, and that's all we're focusing on with the Krillins is like, hmm. uh, we're breeding, like Faith, she talked about the three categories that will classify the puppies like we're breeding for head puppies just over and over and over again. And, and like not every, you know, every litter is going to have a little bit of each, uh, of each drive of dog. Um, but our focus is like, man, those, those puppies that we use are going to be the head puppies. And like, we're going to basically when we hand uh, a hunter or a guide or an outfitter, basically, someone that does what Dallin does a puppy and say, Hey, this is a head puppy. And like, you can expect your races to be shorter. Like there to be more pressure on, on whatever animal it is that you're chasing. Um, and then another thing is like, just kind of the community, like we've become really good friends. Uh, and, um, the guy that owns or that we cone our male import with, um, he's been up and he's been hunting with Dallin, uh, with his, his male Carillion that we'll use on, on other, f- uh, litters, um, with different females and kind of everybody that we sell a puppy to, we tell them, uh, you're going to buy a puppy, but you're also going to get our friendship for the rest of your life. Cause we're really interested in how the dogs turn out. Um, sure. and, and like, we got a lot of puppies going to the Northwest from this litter. And I know a lot of those people are going to be really interested in talking with Dallin and Jesse on like what to expect out of their puppy. A lot of them have already called Dallin to talk to him about Kesta and Sayla. Um, and so like that, that's been really neat to kind of see the, we're basically kind of building a, a community through, through the dogs. Um, and at the end of the day, like, man, that's what it's about for us is the dogs are awesome, but people are, I mean, people are great and getting to, to meet new people and, and build new friendships and everything. That's, mm. that's our big focus. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we got, we, we got a couple going to the Appalachians and that's a big oh, deal. Cool. You know, trying to convince a Southerner to, to not use a hound is a <laughs> not an easy thing to do. I feel like a, the Western houndsman might be a little more open-minded, um, but Faith, right. Faith is Southern girls. And- I was going to say, Faith Faith is from Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. So well, you've yeah, got a little, little bit of street cred you can, yeah, right. you can use. Help convince yeah. Them. yeah the, the Appalachian hunters are very loyal to whatever breed of hound it is that their dad used and their granddad used and their granddad used. And oh, sure. Yeah, so yeah. we're, you know, slowly but surely trying to work our way into the, into the cool kids club. Of, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we're not trying like we're not trying to replace anybody's no. dog. It's like your hounds are awesome. Like right. they really are. Just throw this dog in with them and, and watch what changes in your race. Right. And, and see if the bear does anything differently because we think it will. Um Right. I, uh, I I agree with that. And and it's as I said, it's it's something I just wrote an article about. And it's I it's actually the third podcast in a row, I think, where it's it's sort of by itself come up. Yeah. Um, I talked to Becky DeWire about it and she runs beagles together with her lion hounds. Yeah, um, and you know, has some half quarter half beagles and things like that. And is vi- they bring something to, to the table. And then George, uh, Lambert, um, has his pack of, of bear dogs, uh, you know, bear hounds, but then also has a feist that he'll toss on that's just uh i don't know whether it's the energy he brings to it but he'll the bears climb for scruffy his feist when they won't climb for other necessarily for the other dogs and you know um i i think that that's it's an interesting thing that i've been thinking a lot about recently where you know it's it's and i've talked a little bit to alex uh Karashev about it as well, where it's like, I don't think anybody's advocating that you, that people replace their hounds with something else. No. But why not have another tool in your toolbox? You know, why not have that other type of dog that's going to bring some different strengths to the table? Right. And, you know, maybe just help you get it done. And it's, it's a little bit funny how prickly people get, yeah. people get where it's like, well, we get it, we get it done very just fine. Thank you very much. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that that's true. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, uh, it is interesting because the spits type hunting dogs, they're so versatile. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how versatile they are. You know, one of the best squirrel hunting dogs in the States is, uh, right now is a West Siberian Laika. Yeah. But, our, dogs, our dogs love some squirrels. Yeah. So that's cool. Where can people, uh, find more information about you guys and your dogs? Um, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, we got a website, um, who are you on Instagram? Snowy Mountain Bear Dogs. At Snowy Mountain Bear Dogs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don's got some good videos of Kesta doing his thing on his Facebook page. Um, and most of our videos, like I said earlier, I've, I haven't done much bear hunting myself, but most of our videos are, are of our puppies. Um, mm. You know, what we expect our puppies to be able to treat a bear by themselves before they're two. And so far, most of them are doing that. Um, Hmm. And 
And, and yeah, kind of back to what you're talking about, the versatility, uh, that old breeder in Finland that has kind of mentioned us, he lived in BC for a while, lived on Vancouver Island and hmm. he's the first guy that I know. He hunted black bears with Krillians back in the nineties. And there might've been somebody that hunted with Krillians before him. Um, but he used one of those break barrel, double barrel rifle, or it was a double barrel break barrel that was a 12 gauge and a 243. In my mind, like that's kind of what a hound pack is with a Carillion. Like your 243 is your long, like that's your hound. But then you also have a 12 gauge in there to like, once you get close enough, like that's your final punch to knock it down. Right. Um, and it's just, I mean, yeah, both calibers are good calibers, but if you can have two in one gun, then why not? Right. Right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I had a, I had a buddy that went over to, uh, to BC to hunt, um, to hunt black bear. And he brought his own dogs and he brought, he had a couple of plots that he brought that had come from that area anyway. And then he brought a, a Swedish elk hound and he videoed the whole thing and his, his Swedish elk hound, um, they, they were, the guys over there were super skeptical and he dropped this dog. It got the job done completely on its own. They shot a nice big bear out of a tree. Um, you know, the dog like from start to finish did all the work, did a really good job. And there was like eight guys standing there scratching their heads. Like I, they were vocal about how ridiculous this whole thing was when they started. And then suddenly the dog was able to get it done and they were just, they just couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't process it. Yeah. They were just like one of the guys in the back was like, Oh, maybe that bear was sick. Like he, they just couldn't, uh, they couldn't wrap their minds around it, but it's, they're they're a really really interesting type of dog totally totally different from the hounds they bring totally different things to the table but yeah it's it 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 might be that extra yeah just the extra tool in the toolbox yeah it's interesting yeah so so yeah well and it's just fun working other dogs yeah it's just yeah um, trying something different. Uh, my dad, I mean, I, I guess kind of taught me that not to be colorblind. Um, you know, I, I saw for a while he was with just the, um, just the walkers. And then he started getting other things. And, um, mm. you know, then, then I saw him throw in, you know, Airedales into the pack and, and seeing how they worked. And, um, did he do that? Really? Yeah. Cool. And, and, German Yag Terriers and, you know, just different things in the really? hounds. Cool. And so, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I guess I'm just, I'm not afraid to throw something else in. If it's going to hunt, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt it. Right. So, um, yeah, why not try something? They're all, all these dogs are hunting dogs. I mean, yeah. let's try them out and see if, see if they work. And if they, um, if they help out the pack, then use them. Right. So that's where I'm at with the Krellians and, um, you know, any dog that I get. Right. 
Oh, that's cool. That's cool. This it's it's interesting. It's always interesting talking to people who, um, yeah, have a passion for the same things, but go about it a little bit differently. That's always. I think there's a lot of value in in having a, yeah, uh, being open to at least comparing notes, if nothing else. Yeah. And um, oh, it sounds like you guys have a really good system in place for. Yeah, testing pop socialization, um, you know, and just your the guarantee you have on your dogs, you know, says volumes about the faith that you have in them, and also the quality of dog because you know you wouldn't be you wouldn't be you wouldn't be doing it how you were doing it if you know two years down the road the entire litter ended up back in your house <laughs> you know, right, like, right yeah so so far that hasn't happened so Don and jesse have kept Kessa, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i think you're getting hit back sorry yeah, yeah. jesse's in it for the cuddles i'm in it for the hunting uh, and the cuddles you cannot <laughs> say that because but, uh, you snuggle them more than i do <laughs> uh, i mean i guess we were kind of crazy to go with them at first because they were trying to start a, a, a line of Corellians here. Um, you know, that were, there just wasn't that hunting line yet. And then, but to be a part of that is, is really cool. And, and be, be, being able to be a part of the testing and um, that start of that whole line is going to be really cool. Yeah. Right. Like, like you said earlier, it's like you put a chance on a dog because that's what you're willing to do. And yeah. it just so happened to turn out to be a really great friendship and hunting dog. Hmm. I mean, we, we, Dallin had looked somewhere else and then we found snowy mountain bear dogs and just the way they go about it to me actually was hard because you know you you want to pick your puppy you want to go there mm. you want to snuggle all the puppies you want to choose which one looks good but the way they do it is just amazing like i don't if i don't think i could have picked a better dog for us honestly that would have like if i would have just looked at looks i wouldn't have probably picked kesta but okay ended up being the best because they knew what we needed and went off of that. So it's pretty neat. Hmm. That is pretty neat. That is pretty neat. Wow. Wow. Cool. Well, guys, we're up over an hour here. And um, this has been really, really interesting. I like, um, I like hearing about what you guys are doing. I really like hearing about your dogs. It was fun to meet all four of you get to talk to you all a little bit. Faith has been running back and forth between <laughs> the, the table and, and infants. I swear that boy is asleep at 637 every night. And tonight was the <laughs> night that he decided he was going to stay up till nine. So. Kids. He wanted to go on the podcast. Yeah, he wanted to go on the podcast. <laughs> well, he, he was, so. <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, well, he's, um, my experience being a, a dad and a dog man is, there's a lot of similarities there. My dogs are, <laughs> my, 
my dogs would never, never run trash unless I've got an audience. Yeah. And uh, my kids never have problems falling asleep unless I've got something to do that evening. It's just yeah. how, how it works. But man, how fun is it when you put dogs and kids together and you just watch that dynamic unfold? Like, oh, it's the best. Yeah, that's no. Oh, it's the best. Reason yeah. we love it is the dogs love them and they love the dogs. Mm. Absolutely. Their kids. Best it's a good, good combination. Kids and dogs. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having us. We appreciate. Yeah, it's been it's fun. been fun to talk to you guys, and it's. Uh, I'll be excited to follow what uh, follow you guys on social media and keep in touch with everybody and see. uh, Yeah. Follow along on some of these adventures. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's good meeting you. And like I, like we tell a lot of people consider us uh, your friends for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. So (laughs) sounds good, man. sounds good. Well, I appreciate everybody uh, coming on and we'll, um, yeah, maybe let's uh, let's do another one of these in a, when these pups have gotten big and are showing what they can do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Down and Jesse are taking one home or three. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> one or three, not yeah. three. <laughs> but yeah, that two. sounds good. Lay yeah. meet meet in the middle. Bring two. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Barry. Get yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good I'm going to do that. I think I might get a a nap in before the kids wake up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Man, I love that sound. <laughs>